We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Go episode 167 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, October 15th, 2021. Off a pretty good night if you're a DC sports fan. Now, Navy did lose at Memphis. That wasn't good. But the Philadelphia Eagles lost. Fell to 2 and 4, 28 22 home loss to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the greatest pitcher. In Nationals history, Max Scherzer closed out an NLDS Game 5 win for his new team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, at the San Francisco Giants. 2-1 the final, thanks in part to a gift of a call on a swinging strike three on Wilmer Flores. And I put swinging in quotation marks. But anyway, hello and welcome to a Football Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast as we enter into a weekend during which the Washington football team will be retiring Sean Taylor's number 21 jersey. Hey, who knew? I didn't know. You didn't know. I'm guessing that there may have been more than a few people who worked for the team who didn't know. A bad month of October for the Washington football team got even worse on Thursday with one of the most mind-blowing public relations blunders in D.C. sports history, announcing on Thursday 
That's something that so many would want to be a part of, the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21, will be taking place this coming Sunday, i.e. in just three days. And this by a team that is dead last in the NFL in home attendance. You can't make this stuff up. Next segment, I will sound off on the latest debacle for the Washington football team. But like I said, this is a Football Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We cherish our Football Fridays on this podcast. And so I will be talking plenty of actual football regarding the Washington football team. Uh, big game for the 2-3 and three Washington football team against the 2-3 and three Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. In-depth preview of the game for much of the show. I'll get you caught up on the latest on injuries. I'll give you some good stuff from offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio from their post-practice press conferences on Thursday. I will welcome on a special guest, Stephen Spector, the program director of 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City to talk Chiefs. Uh, I will present to you my rhyming keys for a Washington win over the Chiefs, and I will provide a prediction for the game. Also, I'll talk college football. I'll postgame that latest loss for Navy. 35-17, the final, at Memphis on Thursday night. And I have Goldilocks for you. My picks against the spreads for two big games for the top two teams in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Virginia Tech Pitt and Virginia Duke. A friendly reminder, when you have 30 seconds to kill, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please give this podcast a five-star rating. If you haven't yet done that, and please write just like a one or two sentence review saying how much you like the podcast. If you haven't yet done that, uh, those things help out a lot. You can hit pause on your iPhone or iPad right now and do those things. And I do very much appreciate you doing those things. I mean that. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Ivan Lambert in Florida on the Washington football team secondary. Writes Ivan, what was it Jimmy Moreland is supposed to have done or not done, resulting in his being released, thus not making the 53-man roster? And what was it the other corners performed so much better than Moreland, shaking my head in bewilderment, wondering what has happened to the WFT defense? Uh, Excellent topic, Ivan. Apparently, we're not allowed to ask about Jimmy Moreland because nobody ever really did. Uh, There was one question about him when he got released. Ron Rivera dodged the question, and that was it. Uh, Jimmy Moreland has never come up again in a Washington press conference. I don't get it. You know, not that Jimmy Moreland is Daryl Green, but Jimmy Moreland did a nice job as Washington's primary nickel corner last season. And as we see Washington's secondary be so bad, at least so far this season, I think it is more than fair to ask the question of why did we release Jimmy Moreland again? And look, there may well be more to him being released by Washington than we know. Uh, I'm always open to that. You know, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, they know things that we do not know, but I would love to know what those things are right now. Email from Stanley Evans on the Washington football team's complete butchering of the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21. Right, Stanley, just outright disrespectful to first and foremost Sean Taylor's family and friends to cover up or distract another horrible scandal and to give fans just three days notice. So ridiculous. He was my favorite player, and it's not like I can just take off work and go to a game whenever I want. I would have made plans to go to the game if I knew this was Sean Taylor's retirement ceremony. Do they really care about the fans, or are they just always covering for Snyder and his screw-ups? I'm really a disgusted fan right now. That's not how you win fans back. Agree. 
question mark. Uh, yes, Stanley, I do agree. Now, I'm willing to believe that the retiring of Sean's number 21 was in the works for months and wasn't just some spur-of-the-moment decision to cover up for the bad publicity of this week. I'll talk more about that aspect of things next segment when I get into everything with this mess. Uh, But you, Stanley, are exactly the kind of person I'm thinking about when I crush the team for only giving fans three days notice of the retiring of Sean's number 21. You would have gone to the game had you known Sean's number was being retired. Washington is dead last in the NFL in attendance, is basically begging people to come to games at FedEx Field, has this wonderful thing that's happening that surely would add to the attendance at the game at FedEx Field and doesn't announce the thing until just three days before the game. Just incredible. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Yes, exactly. And did you see this on Thursday night? The Washington football team president, Jason Wright, who got bludgeoned on Thursday, and rightly so, for this screw-up, Uh, He actually wrote one of his president's brief columns for the Washington football team's official website. Uh, The headline of the column, President's Brief, colon, an apology to the fans. And look, Jason Wright, I'll give him credit. He owned this. He said, I screwed up. I'm very sorry for what we did here. But he, in the column, said the following, quote, we didn't realize that so many of you wanted to make a trip to FedEx Field to be present for this moment, end quote. Huh? You didn't think that a few people might want to go to this game because Sean Taylor's being honored? Cuckoo! Cuckoo! (laughs) Yeah, I could not get over that particular part of the Jason Wright apology column from Thursday night. We didn't realize that so many of you wanted to make a trip to FedEx Field to be present for this moment. So many of you don't show up to games at FedEx Field. We just figured, eh, More people, they're not going to come to this game. Nobody comes to our games anymore. Again, I will properly sound off on all of this next segment. Well, the exact opposite of the incompetence on display by the Washington football team in this announcement of the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21, that's what you get from John Grandland of Real Broker. You know, on one side of the spectrum of competence is this WFT buffoonery with the retiring of Sean's number 21. On the opposite side of the spectrum of competence is what you get from John G. when he sells your home. Attention to detail, mastery of the market, and commission flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron, just like position flex. What is commission flex, you ask? It's simple, flexible commission rates. Don't get locked into paying 6%, 7%, 8%. There's a better way. John Granlin offers that better way. You see, John G. will put a marketing plan together for you that will maximize your home's value and help you keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket. You see, John has a menu of commission packages from which you can choose, including selling your home for free. Yeah, you heard that right. For free, zero commission. Some conditions do apply. But interviewing John Granlin is an absolute no-brainer. He can come by your house, give you a step-by-step plan on what to do to get top dollar, and maybe even more importantly, what not to do so you don't spend needlessly and there is never any obligation to list or sell. If you need to sell your home and aren't sure to whom to turn, if you've been trying to sell your home and you're not satisfied with how things are going, if you're even just thinking about selling your home, do yourself a favor and call John Granlin. This is a phone call that could make and or save you tens of thousands of dollars. You have nothing to lose. Call John G. now, 703 
537-6747. John's a great guy, easygoing, no pressure, big Washington football team fan, and most importantly, a great real estate agent. When you talk to John G, make sure that you tell him that Al Galdi sent you, and make sure that you ask John G about what you keep hearing about on the Al Galdi podcast, Commission Flex. That phone number again, 703-537-6747, or visit johngsellsforfree.com. That's johngsellsforfree.com. John Grandlin, nobody will do a better job of selling your home. And remember, he is the originator of Commission Flex. Position Flex. Yes, Ron, just like Position Flex. So believe it or not, this Sunday afternoon's game for the Washington football team against the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field at 1 is Washington's annual alumni homecoming game. Yes, Washington, for some reason, has the two-time defending AFC champion Chiefs as the homecoming opponent for this year. Now, to be fair to Washington, it labels the weekend as alumni homecoming weekend, doesn't necessarily call the game the homecoming game, but the game takes place on homecoming weekend, so you do the math. Uh, Well, we on Thursday morning got this stunning announcement. The Washington football team on Sunday will be retiring Sean Taylor's number 21 jersey. Huh? What? Yeah. The Washington football team on Sunday will be retiring Sean Taylor's number 21 jersey, a franchise that has only ever officially retired two numbers, Sammy Baugh's number 33 and Bobby Mitchell's number 49, will be retiring Sean Taylor's number 21 on Sunday. And we got the announcement of this on Thursday morning. Unless there's a new calendar that I'm not aware of, Thursday is three days before Sunday. Announcement on Thursday, October 14th, of something major happening on Sunday, October 17th. This truly is an all-timer. For a franchise that has been guilty of one botch after another over the last 20 years, one screw-up after another, one embarrassment after another, This botch, this screw-up, this embarrassment truly is special. I mean, the level of incompetence of Washington in not announcing that Sean's number 21 will be retired at Sunday's game against the Chiefs until the Thursday morning before the game really is incredible. First of all, you have Washington as being dead last in the NFL in both average attendance at home games this season, 51,002, and in percent capacity filled at home games this season, 62.2. No team in the NFL has had a bigger attendance problem this season than Washington has had, and it's not even close. You have Washington starving for any good publicity that the team can get off the last 18 months, having been filled with controversy, right? The workplace misconduct scandal, the ownership turmoil, the name change, to say nothing, oh, by the way, of the team having been mostly bad 
for the last 30 years. You have the slam dunk public relations move that is retiring Sean's number 21. I mean, Sean Taylor's jersey is perhaps the most popular Washington football jersey still, even after all of these years since his death in November 2007. He remains beloved for all of the angst and ill feeling toward the franchise. The retirement of Sean's number 21 was always going to be received extremely positively, maybe more so than anything else that the team could do. I mean, maybe announcing a new stadium in D.C., would be received more positively. But you get the idea. Retiring Sean's number 21 was always one of those things that you knew would be an easy public relations win. And yet, it ends up not being an easy public relations win. The Washington football team somehow found a way to butcher an easy public relations win. The Washington football team, in dire need, of public relations wins mangled maybe the biggest public relations win that the team had. The team amazingly did not announce that it was retiring Sean's number 21 months or even weeks in advance to, you know, allow fans time to buy tickets and make plans. The team didn't come up with, you know, a marketing strategy to build up to the retirement of Sean's number 21. No, the team announced that it was retiring Sean's number 21 a mere three days before the retirement is to take place. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Yes, this is unreal. This really and truly is unreal. Like, it is hard to believe that this is actually what went down here. Now, as for the conspiracy theory, so let's get into this. Did the Washington football team not announce that it was retiring Sean's number 21 this Sunday until Thursday because the team screwed up or because the team truly wasn't planning on retiring Sean's number 21 until this week. Of course, the debacle that is the announcement of Washington retiring Sean Taylor's number 21 comes in the midst of an avalanche of bad publicity for Washington. This month of October has not been kind to the old WFT, We had Washington Director of Sports Medicine and Head Athletic Trainer Ryan Vermillion having been placed on administrative leave for what the team called an ongoing criminal investigation unrelated to the team. The DEA and the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department on October 1st conducted searches at Washington's practice facility and at Vermillion's residence. We have had the John Gruden-Bruce Allen emails controversy that has reignited the workplace misconduct scandal. We had the Washington Post the day before the announcement that Sean's number 21 was to be retired this Sunday. So talking about Wednesday, uh, having reported that the Washington football team this past February offered a financial settlement, hush money, in exchange for the silence of former female team employees who alleged that they were sexually harassed while working for the team. And so the knee-jerk reaction to Washington out of nowhere announcing on Thursday morning that the team will be retiring Sean's number 21 this Sunday was that the announcement was a cheap ploy to generate good publicity. The idea is, hmm, we're getting walloped all over the place right now. What can we do to reverse the tide of bad pub? Ah, let's retire Sean's number 21. That'll get us some good pub. And so that was a thing, very much a thing on Thursday morning that the Washington football team just rushed to put this together. 
I know my immediate reaction was, golly gee, this is awfully convenient. With all the negative stuff out there, you come out with retiring Sean's number 21. But the team says that retiring Sean's number 21 this Sunday had actually been in the works for a while, which in a lot of ways makes what happened even worse. But I actually do think that this wasn't some cheap publicity ploy that was concocted this week. I'll grant you that the whole thing looks very sketchy, but I do think that this had been in the works for a while. A, ESPN NFL analyst and former Washington safety Ryan Clark tweeted the following on Thursday morning, quote, since people are wondering, Tim Hightower reached out to me on September 22nd to invite me to the alumni weekend. In his text, he told me they'd be honoring Sean and his family, which I assumed it was the reason I got the invite since I hadn't been invited before. End quote. Tim Hightower, the former Washington running back, now works in alumni relations for the Washington football team. So at least according to Ryan Clark, Washington had been planning to honor Sean Taylor, at least in some form or fashion, as of at least late September. B, I can tell you this, okay? Having worked for 980 while it was owned by Red Zebra, a company for which Dan Snyder was the primary investor. So having worked for 980 while it was essentially owned by the Redskins, I can tell you that the level of incompetence knows no bounds, okay? The radio business is filled with dumb and ridiculous decisions. Some of the dumbest and most ridiculous things that I have ever experienced in radio were while 980 was owned by Red Zebra. Missed opportunities, flippant decision-making, horrendous communication. I've mentioned this before, but when I was doing the Morning Blitz show weekdays from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., I was top 10 in the market in a ratings book, October 2016, okay? Top 10. Like, this was a really big deal for me to get to that level. And nobody told me. (laughs) Nobody told me this. I was top 10 in the demo in a brutally competitive time slot, doing a two-hour show solo with very little help and promotion on a bad AM signal, and nobody told me. I found out months later. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Like, forget about me getting a pat on the back or anything like that. How about like, hey, you did well this ratings period. Let's try to assess why so we can keep this thing going. No, none of that. You know, and that's just a snapshot of how absurd things could be. So I know that you may think that it's impossible for the Washington football team to have simply not announced that Sean Taylor's number 21 is going to be retired this Sunday until Thursday morning without there being some chicanery. But I promise you, it's more than possible that the team was just this incompetent. I've experienced this level of incompetence. It's a big reason why 980 is in the condition that it's currently in. For what it's worth, the Washington football team on Thursday issued a statement saying that the team had been planning the tribute to Sean Taylor. Quote, since before the start of the season, in partnership with Sean Taylor's family and as part of our alumni weekend activities, we apologize to fans who would have liked more notice and will continue to share with fans ways we will be celebrating Sean Taylor's legacy over the next month. End quote. And then there's team president Jason Wright. 
Uh, Thursday was not a good day for Jason Wright. He was Jason wrong on Thursday, okay? Uh, Jason Wright has been very warmly received. People have had a lot of nice things to say about Jason Wright, and for good reason, okay? Uh, Jason Wright has astutely endeared himself to a lot of Washington fans with social media followings, you know, the hashtag fire Bruce Allen crowd. And so there has been a lot of positive stuff about Jason Wright on social media throughout his tenure as Washington president. And I like a lot of things about Jason Wright, but Jason Wright got hammered on Thursday and justifiably so. Tweeted Jason, quote, we wanted to do something long overdue by retiring players' numbers. Months ago, we planned for Bobby Mitchell and Sean Taylor to be the first two. Seeing the reaction, I'm very sorry that the short notice does not properly reflect the impact Sean had. End quote. You know, Washington announced that Bobby Mitchell's number was going to be retired months in advance. How the heck do you do that and not do the same thing for Sean Taylor? Look, we can only imagine all of the stuff that Jason Wright has had to deal with since becoming Washington team president in August 2020. We can only imagine the stories that he already can tell about trying to clean up the mess that is the Washington football team. He's a very smart guy. He's a very accomplished guy. But understand two things. One, Jason Wright has a ton of stuff on his plate. And two, Jason Wright isn't from here. Jason Wright is from California. He went to Northwestern. And if you're not from here, and you're not a Washington fan, and you haven't experienced what has gone on around here, then you just don't get it like we get it. And that doesn't mean that you can't try to get it. That doesn't mean that you don't get it at least somewhat. It doesn't mean that it's your fault that you don't get it like we get it. But you don't get it like we get it. You don't get how bad things truly have been. You don't get, say, the impact of the name change like we do. You don't get the impact of Sean Taylor on the fan base like we do. The only way to understand how much retiring Sean's number 21 was going to mean so much to people was to have been here for Sean's career and have been here for Sean's death, and Jason wasn't. And while I'm sure he understands that Sean is important to the fan base, it's one thing to understand that intellectually. It's another thing to get that emotionally. And I'm not talking about having to be all emotional about what happened to Sean. I'm talking about as the team president, as the head of business operations, truly understanding that retiring Sean's number 21 was going to be big for business, okay? Put aside everything else and just look at this purely through the prism of business. Retiring Sean's number 21 was going to be big for business because of what he meant to the fans. And I think that you have to wonder whether Jason truly got that. Again, he's not from here. He just got here. And he's a really smart guy. But you can't just say, pick up a book, read about the history of the Washington football team, and instantly, truly get everything. You have to have experienced things, and he hasn't experienced things here. And it's not just him. It's a lot of these new people who have come to the organization over the last 18 months. And all of this makes me wonder about the name change. 
You know, if these people couldn't get something as simple and as much of a layup as the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21 right, what makes you think that these people are going to get the name change right? I mean, getting the name change right would be hard enough for a bunch of brilliant strategists who have been in this area their entire lives. These people couldn't even get the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21 correct, okay? That's as much of a public relations layup as Washington could maybe have. You can't get that right, and you're going to get this name change right? You're going to get the name right, and the logo right, and the rollout of all of this right? (laughs) We'll see, okay? We'll see. How do you screw up that which would seem to be impossible to screw up the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21? That is a tough question to answer. Well, if you have questions or concerns regarding your skin, uh, always know that Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologist. He's a big Washington football team fan and listener of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. And specific to skin cancer treatment, the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offers something very special and cutting edge, superficial radiation therapy, or SRT. SRT is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is revolutionary. It's a non-surgical skin cancer treatment that's safe and effective. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects that go with surgery. You have options. Understand that a non-surgical option in SRT is available. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer SRT, unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401, or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. All right, so the 2-3 and three Washington football team will face the 2-3 and three Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Washington all-time is just 1-9 and nine against the Chiefs, and the 1 happened in September 1983. I mean, yeah, Washington doesn't play the Chiefs often, but all-time, Washington has lost 9 of 10 games against the Chiefs. Uh, that win for Washington over the Chiefs In September 1983, a 27-12 win at RFK Stadium. Washington overcame a 12-0 halftime deficit, won the second half 27-0. Joe Theismann had touchdown passes of 12 yards to Don Warren and 39 yards to Clint Didier. John Riggins and Joe Washington combined for 34 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown. And the Chiefs got four field goals from Nick Lowry the pride of St. Albans School in Washington, D.C. Yes, Nick Lowry, a Stolbins guy. Uh, but yeah, that's the only time ever that Washington 
has defeated the Chiefs. I was three years old the only time that Washington beat the Chiefs. How likely is a Washington win on Sunday? Well, more unlikely than likely, but a win is possible. The Chiefs defense is bad and banged up. Edge rusher Chris Jones did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with an injured wrist. Washington's offense is a so-so, but Washington's offense remains banged up. Curtis Samuel did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day due to his groin. Samuel Cosme did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day due to an ankle. Brandon Sheriff did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day due to a knee. Cam Sims did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day due to a hamstring. And Samus Reyes did not practice on Thursday as he was added to the injury report due to a back injury. Uh, Reyes, of course, is a tight end. Washington's tight ends coach, Pete Hayner, was not at practice on Thursday due to COVID-19 protocols. So you can add that to the list of the many negative things that have happened for Washington this week. The good news is that Antonio Gibson was limited at practice on Thursday off not having practiced on Wednesday as he deals with a shin. And Deami Brown on Thursday was limited at practice for a second consecutive day. He was inactive for the 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon due to a knee. So looks like Gibson will be good to go. I think that there's cautious optimism with Brown, but you really don't know with Samuel, Cosme, Sheriff, and Sims, and it's hard to feel super optimistic with any of those guys. I do like, though, what Washington has gotten from DeAndre Carter the last two games. Not that he's Curtis Samuel, but Carter has made some plays. And Cornelius Lucas at right tackle, Wes Schweitzer at right guard. You're far from lost with those guys. I mean, would you rather have Cosme and Sheriff? Yeah, but Lucas and Schweitzer can play. We've seen that. Here was offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Thursday at his post-practice press conference on Lucas and Schweitzer. To talk about both those guys, both those guys were starters for us last year and did a nice job. And so, you know, when they go in and play, you know, the comfort level with them is great. You know, I feel really good about them. Um, you know, so I thought we they stepped in and we didn't necessarily miss a beat. You know, uh, you know, we I think we gave up you know two sacks and we had to hold the ball on on really both of them, one of them for sure. And I think that's you know that's kind of what you know what had happened there. But for the most part, I felt good about those guys coming in and filling in for for our starters. Yeah, those guys did just fine. Uh, as for Washington's defense, Jared Norris did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day due to a shoulder, but he has been the only Washington defensive player to not practice at all so far this week, and Norris has yet to play on a single defensive snap this regular season. Jonathan Allen on Thursday was limited at practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a knee. Uh, Cole Holcomb on Thursday was limited at practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a shoulder. And James Smith-Williams on Thursday was limited at practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a toe. But otherwise, this Washington defense is pretty healthy. Uh, Will the defense actually play well in a game for the first time this season? Who the heck knows? You certainly can't count on that. Uh, I'm not, especially against the Chiefs offense that has been outstanding. Chiefs through week five, number one in the NFL in both total offense and passing offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio at his post-practice press conference on Thursday on trying to contain Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, you got to stay on top. These guys are very explosive. You know, quarterback extends plays, um, has tremendous um, 
a tremendous ability to elude the rush and uh, and throw the ball a long way. So, and the guys that he had uh, that he has at his disposal, they're all they're all very very fast. So they're uh, they're able to get vertical on you. So it's it's a challenge. Yes, it is. There are though two things happening with the Chiefs right now that could work in the favor of Washington's defense. First of all, the Chiefs' offense is banged up. Uh, Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was placed on the reserve injured list on Tuesday. Receiver Tyreek Hill is dealing with a quad. He, on Thursday, did not practice for a second consecutive day. Left guard Joe Tooney is dealing with a fractured hand. He, on Thursday, did not practice for a second consecutive day. Tight end Travis Kelsey is coming off a stinger, although he hasn't even been on the Chiefs' injury reports this week. Second of all, the Chiefs have had a turnover problem so far this season. The Chiefs through week five tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars for the most giveaways in the NFL at 11. Patrick Mahomes through week five tied for the third most interceptions in the NFL at six. Now, turnovers are flukish. You can't count on them. But this is something to keep in mind. The Chiefs, for whatever reason, have had a penchant for coughing up the football so far this season. And Washington's defense did generate two takeaways in the first quarter of the loss to the Saints. Two other things from Jack Del Rio's post-practice presser on Thursday that I wanted to play for you regarding football. So you perhaps have heard some suggest that Washington's defense is too complicated. Uh, There are others who say that Washington's defense is too predictable, uh, including former Washington quarterback Alex Smith, now with ESPN. Everyone has a theory for why this defense has been so bad. And so we have this exchange on Thursday. We'll start with the question from Washington football team insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Hey, Jack. Some around the NFL, including Alex Smith, have said that they thought your defense has been a little predictable. I wonder if you think that's a fair criticism. No, I don't. I I think we've just not done the details. Anybody can take shots and have opinions. You know, obviously we're not playing as well as we'd like to, but... uh, uh, we're working on it. Guys are doing a great job of sticking together and working hard. Right. Even though you're not playing how you want to, you don't necessarily see that as a as a main problem. So if I saw if I saw that as a problem, then it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I get a kick out of Jack Del Rio at his press conferences. Another interesting thing from Jack's presser on Thursday was him opening up a bit about Jamin Davis. So Jamin, in the loss to the Saints, played on just 23% of Washington's defensive snaps. Even with John Bostic on the reserve injured list with that torn pectoral muscle that he suffered in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four, Jamin, who, of course, Washington took with the number 19 pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, played on just 23% of Washington's defensive snaps last Sunday. Jack Del Rio on Thursday on what he's looking for from Jamin Davis. Just continuing to gain confidence and play fast. You know, that's what we're looking for. Um, he's a great young man. He cares a great deal. He probably cares a little too much because he's, you know, I'd like him just to say the heck with it. I'm going and making a play, you know. So um, uh, very conscientious. He's working hard. Uh, and I look forward to you know, kind of like we, as we talk about our defense, I look forward to him turning the corner as well. I think we will. I think he'll make an impact as we go through the season. And I think our defense will become impactful as we finish this season. Let's hope. But says Jack of Jamin, 
He, quote, probably cares a little too much. I'd like him just to say the heck with it. I'm going to make a play, end quote. Jack then expounded on those comments. A little, little trying to be careful. Yeah, a little, little trying to be careful and trying to be exact. And I um, want, want him to let it rip a little bit. Yeah, and that makes sense given what has been on Jamin's plate as the Mike linebacker, or at least what had been on his plate. A lot to think about. Remember, Jamin was only a starter at Kentucky for one season, so perhaps some paralysis by analysis has been going on with Jamin Davis. It's way too early to call Jamin Davis a bust. He's obviously not off to a great start. I did think that we got some insight as to why right there from Jack. Up next, an in-depth look at the Chiefs with Stephen Spector, the program director of 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's welcome on a special guest to tell us all we need to know about this Sunday afternoon's opponent for the 2-3 and three Washington football team, the 2-3 and three Kansas City Chiefs. He is Steven Spector, the program director of 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. He is a former colleague of mine, big Chiefs fan, knows the team well. Spector, it's great to talk to you, man. How are you? Good, Goldie. It's, um, it's weird previewing the Chiefs and Washington football team with uh, both teams being under 500. We probably expected maybe one of them to be under 500. Pretty sure nobody expected the Chiefs to come into this game at 2-3. and three. We did not. So with the Chiefs being 2-3, and three, I'm assuming that's all about the defense, but you tell me. Yeah, it's uh, that, that's probably the best way to look at it. It's probably 85 percent defense 15 percent offense i mean you know people want to look at the defense on sunday against buffalo and and for sure they they were not good but the offense has had their own you know struggles and it really has come down to turnovers i mean 
four turnovers against the Los Angeles Chargers in that loss at Arrowhead. Mahomes got a pick six on Sunday night against the Bills. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a massive fumble in week two against the Ravens to, to lose that game. So the defense is historically bad. And I think the offense is pressing to a point where they think they have to score on every possession. And they're probably not wrong, but the amount of turnovers that we've seen from this team, I think Mahomes something like five or six interceptions this year already, and he had five or six last year. It's just a crazy turnover rate, and that probably won't sustain itself over a 17-game uh, schedule. But for right now, at two and three with losses to the Ravens, Bills, and Chargers, the, uh, the AFC is not going to run through Arrowhead this year. Yeah, and with those three teams, there's no real shame in having lost to those three teams with how good those three teams are. With the Patrick Mahomes interceptions, as the great Rex Grossman once said during his time as Washington quarterback, every interception has its own story. What is the story with these Mahomes interceptions? Are these bad throws slash decisions? Are these more flukish interceptions than anything else? What is the nature of the Mahomes interceptions? There's two that are not on him, that are just tip balls, you know, nature of the game. The rest of them are just him trying to make a play when there when there's not something there. Um, and again, I think it just all goes back to this offense feels like they have to score 35 points at a minimum right now to win a football game, which is just absolutely crazy. I mean, I go back to the throw in Baltimore to really change the momentum. He's going to the ground and just throws the ball up in the air. He has not done that in years. Um, same thing, you know, happening on Sunday night, just throwing balls where there's not a play to be made. Um, and he talked about it on, on Sunday. He talked about it on Monday with us. Just, you know, he's probably trying to make a 14-point play every time he goes out there and makes a throw. So I would say he's, he, two of them are unlucky, and then the rest are just unchar- uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic excuse me, of what we've seen in Mahomes' first four years in the NFL. It's funny you use that 14-point play line because that kind of thing has actually come up a lot with Washington's current quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Not that he's Patrick Mahomes, but like that same conversation has taken place, trying to do too much, trying to make up for a defense that isn't very good. So with this bad Chiefs defense, what are the problems? Like, where are the real weak spots for this defense? I mean, the numbers are atrocious, as you know, but what exactly is going wrong here for this defense? Yeah, I mean, I guess how much time do you have? Because uh, there's, there's problems at every level. Um, and honestly, it, it, you know, it probably started this offseason, and bear with me with kind of this comparison. Obviously, the Chiefs got embarrassed in the Super Bowl because of the offensive line against Tampa Bay, right? So what did they do? They went out and spent all their resources on a new bit, newly built offensive line. And that offensive line has paid off really well so far through five games of the season. But nothing got addressed addressed on defense. Um, they just made no improvements outside of a second-round pick in Nick Bolton out of Missouri uh, at the linebacker spot, who's really just filling in for an injured second-year linebacker in Willie Gay. But to, to more, you know, promptly answer your questions um they're getting no pass rush their linebackers are brutal and the guy who's taking most of the blame is their safety dan Sorensen, who has just been i can't rem- i've watched a lot of football over the years i know you have too i cannot remember a worse start to a season by a single individual on a defense than dan Sorensen. he has been that bad and he is someone that has been targeted by teams 
over and over and over again. And when you don't have a pass rush, guys like that get exposed. And so far, again, you said it, historic numbers through five games for this defense. Is there anyone playing well on this Chiefs defense? Is there any bright spot? No. There's not a single one. You know, they moved Chris Jones, who's kind of an all-pro guy from the inside to the outside. He had two sacks against Cleveland in the opener. Hasn't had a sack since. Frank Clark on the other side is getting the third highest salary of a defensive player in the NFL. Has more gun charges than sacks this year. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of the fun line that Kansas City Chiefs fans are using here. Um The linebackers are bad. The secondary is not the problem, but they're getting left out to dry. They signed Jaron Reed to a one-year prove-it deal out of Seattle. They were raving about him. You would have thought he was Aaron Donald, the way Andy Reed talked about him in this uh, training camp. Haven't gotten any production from him. They don't have anybody playing well at the moment. It is a bad, bad defense on all three levels. Talking Washington versus Kansas City with Steven Spector, program director of 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. Going back to the offense, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is now on the reserve injured list. Uh, we also know you know, Tyreek Hill is banged up. Joe Tooney is banged up as well. But with Edwards-Hilaire, to what extent will the Chiefs miss him? It's sad to say, but probably not that much. You know, they missed him a bunch last year. Um, he had some productive games to start this season, but... You know, you know Andy Reid from his time in Philadelphia in the NFC East. It's not a guy that's going to run the ball down your throat 25, 30 times a game. You know, this team is built around Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and then explosive plays just made by Patrick Mahomes being who he is. So, you know, Daryl Williams is is, a, is filled in more than capable uh, back in 2020. He's, you know, he's a solid back. He's not going to blow you away. Jarek McKinnon had a really good training camp and has shown a little bit of flash when he's been on the field, but this team is not going to win or lose because they're missing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The bigger injury, obviously, and we'll see, is uh, Tyreek Hill because that drastically changes the uh, what their offense can do. Andy Reid, uh, this is now his ninth season as Chiefs head coach. He's now 63. Is there conversation in Kansas City regarding for how much longer Reid will serve as Chiefs head coach, or does that not really come up? Doesn't come up. Uh, I think he's been rejuvenated since the Super Bowl victory. I think he knows that he's got a generational talented quarterback that he can do whatever he wants and go into that playbook and design things that you and I have kind of never seen before because he has a guy that nobody's ever seen what he's done before. So there's no conversation about when Andy Reid is no longer going to be the Chiefs, uh, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting. Well, it's good to catch up. Big game for both teams on Sunday. In these parts, we are all fearing what this terrible Washington defense may have done to it by the Chiefs offense. But congrats on your success, and thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate it. And by the way, we're shaking probably just as much because a loss to the Washington football team really spells disaster <laughs> here in Kansas City. Like, as you said, it's one thing to lose to Buffalo and Baltimore and the Chargers. Uh, you lose to Washington football team, there's going to be a whole new level of panic come Monday. That's a low point. That's a true low point, huh? It, it, it would be the low point. It would be the first low point since probably the Alex Smith-led team that lost to the Jets and the Giants back in 2017 of December. That would be the This would be the low point in four years. Wow, that's saying something. All right, man, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
All right, it is time to rhyme. It is time for Rhyming Keys, as I will rhyme the path to victory for the Washington football team in its game against the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field Sunday afternoon at 1. These rhymes are not meant to be good. They are simply meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Rhyming Keys for Washington Kansas City. How does Washington win this game? How does Washington pull off the upset? Let us rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one. This is for Washington's offense. You must keep pace, but it's not a race. So, boring something shocking, Washington is going to need to score points, a lot of points, (laughs) to win this game. Uh, Taylor Heineke needs to be on. Needs to bounce back, right? from his bad performance in the 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field last Sunday. The good news is that he'll be facing a Chiefs defense that has been terrible. Uh, The Chiefs through Week 5 were 31st out of 32 NFL teams in pass defense for a football outsider's DVOA metric, and dead last in the NFL in run defense per DVOA. But here's the thing. While I am a big believer in throwing the football, and you never ever hear me cling to antiquated concepts like needing to establish the run to set up the pass and needing to have balance in terms of pass attempts versus rush attempts, I do think that for this game, there very much is something to running the ball well. Running the ball well and winning the time of possession battle would go a long way toward not getting scorched by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. I don't trust Washington's defense one bit. The best defense for Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense is to keep Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense off the field. I like a lot of what we've seen from Antonio Gibson so far this season. Gibson through Week 5, 11th in the NFL in rushing yards at 313. And it's not just that. Gibson through Week 5 tied for 5th in the NFL in rushing first downs with 21. I know that he's banged up with the shin, but I would not at all hate Gibson being fed a decent amount in this game and chewing up some clock. I'm not saying that Washington needs to not focus on the pass, okay? In today's NFL, you have to be able to pass effectively, and Heineke is going to have a chance to do that against this Chiefs defense, but the Chiefs' bad defense is bad against both the pass and the run, and given how prolific the Chiefs' offense is, There's more benefit than normal to running the football in this game because doing so will eat up clock. And so rhyming key number one for Washington's offense, you must keep pace, but it's not a race. Rhyming key number two, this is for Washington's secondary gulp. The bar is low. Your play has been dirty. But can you please possibly hold the Chiefs to 30. So like I just said, I don't trust Washington's defense one bit. I still believe that this defense is better than what we've seen this season, but I'm not just going to keep doing the same thing each week in anticipating some breakout performance from Washington's defense. Hopefully the breakout performance comes, but this has been ridiculous. Every week we convince ourselves that this might be the week in which the defense rises up, and every week we're disappointed. The biggest problem for the defense right now is the secondary. Now, the linebackers are a big problem too, but Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, at least in the loss to the Saints, basically eliminated the linebacker position. Cole Holcomb was the only Washington linebacker 
who played a significant amount. He actually played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps in the game. He was the lone backer, not the linebacker, the lone backer. He was basically the only linebacker who played for Washington. Anyway, the secondary is the biggest problem. Washington's defense through week five for pro football focus, number two in the NFL with a pass rush grade of 84.6, but just 31st out of 32 teams in the NFL with a coverage grade of 39.1. That right there quantifies the idea that the secondary is the thing. And so all that I'm asking for is this. Hold the Chiefs to 30 or fewer points. Is that possible? Can we do that? The Chiefs are averaging 30.8 points per game. Can you hold the Chiefs to slightly less than their average? Pretty please with a cherry on top. The Chiefs through week five, number one in the NFL in both total offense and passing offense per DVOA. Patrick Mahomes through week five, number one in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR. I know that the Chiefs have had a turnover problem, but this is still a really good offense. What we're trying to avoid here is Washington giving up 40 or even 50. What we're trying to avoid here is a maiming of the Washington defense by the Chiefs offense. What we're trying to avoid here is uh, the basement scene in the movie Pulp Fiction, okay? My fear is that Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to do Washington secondary like uh, Zed did Marcellus Wallace, okay? That's what we need to avoid. Washington's defense is going to give stuff up. I get that. Just don't give up a frightening and absurd amount. Just don't give up a vulgar amount. Try to keep the suck to an acceptable level. Can we do that? Just keep the suck to an acceptable level. Washington's defensive line is more than capable, and I do still believe that these defensive backs are better than what we've seen. And so rhyming key number two for Washington secondary, the bar is low. Your play has been dirty, but can you please possibly hold the Chiefs to 30? And then rhyming key number three, this is for the entire Washington football team. It has been another rough week from which we'd like to proceed. And so do us all a favor and stick it to Andy Reid. So this has not been a banner week in the annals of Washington football. The John Gruden, Bruce Allen emails, the Jay Gruden reveal that he wasn't even interviewed in the Beth Wilkinson investigation, the Washington Post report that the Washington football team offered hush money, offered a financial settlement in exchange for the silence of former female team employees who alleged that they were sexually harassed while working for the team. Uh, The Washington football team completely butchering the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21, not even announcing that the number will be retired this Sunday until Thursday morning. A win over the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon would be very welcome. Certainly would not eradicate the ugliness that I just took you through. But just from a morale of the fan base standpoint, a win over the Chiefs would be a big boost. And a win over the Chiefs would exact at least some revenge on a guy who has owned Washington for years. I talked about this on Thursday's show. 
episode 166. There has been no greater Washington killer as a head coach over the last 25 years than Andy Reid. Andy was the Eagles head coach from 1999 through 2012. He, as Eagles head coach, went 17-11 and against Washington, including the Monday Night Massacre, the 59-28 Eagles win at Washington on Monday Night Football in November 2010. Andy has been the Chiefs head coach since 2013. He, as Chiefs head coach, has gone 2-0 against Washington, including the 45-10 Chiefs win at Washington at a snowy FedEx field in December 2013. And Andy has conned Washington on two trades of veteran quarterbacks, the Donovan McNabb trade in April 2010 and the Alex Smith trade in March 2018. No NFL head coach has been Washington's daddy over the last 25 years more than Andy Reid has been. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Yes, Arnold, exactly. We owe Andy Reid a little something-something. And so rhyming key number three for the entire Washington football team, it has been another rough week from which we'd like to proceed. And so do us all a favor and stick it to Andy Reid. All right, prediction time. The line for this game per Caesar Sportsbook as of early Friday morning is Washington plus six and a half. The public is all over the Chiefs. I would love to take Washington, uh, but I can't. Give me the Chiefs minus the six and a half. Kansas City, 34. Washington, 24. We turn our attention now to college football. Next segment, I'll give you two Goldilocks, but right now some thoughts on a game that took place on Thursday night. Another loss for Navy. The midshipmen fell to 1-5, 35-17 loss at Memphis. Another game for Navy in which its offense just was not good. I mean, this has been a real issue for Navy this season. The mids on Thursday night averaged just 3.39 yards per play. Where have you gone? Triple option offense. The mids ran 71 offensive plays to Memphis's 46, but got outgained 415 to 241. Navy quarterback Ty Lovatai took a pounding in this game, left the game due to concussion protocol. He had 17 carries for just 28 yards, although uh, the yardage there did include the yardage lost on three sacks. Lovatai went three or four passing for 27 yards, a touchdown and no interceptions. Navy did get hit with some brutal penalties, including a ridiculous clipping penalty on receiver Kamari Williams that negated a second quarter, third and goal, five-yard touchdown pass by Lovatai on a drive that resulted in a field goal. But still, Navy's offense just has not been good this season. Navy's defense on Thursday night gave up way too many big plays. Uh, Navy allowed Memphis quarterback Seth Hannigan to go 8-12 for 215 yards. This reminded me of Jameis Winston's stat line in the Washington football team's 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Hannigan on Thursday night averaged 17.92 yards per pass attempt, 12 pass attempts, 215 passing yards. He had two touchdown passes versus an interception. He was not sacked once. Uh, Hannigan had a 74-yard touchdown pass had other completions of 51 and 49 yards. Navy gave up a 69-yard shotgun handoff end-around touchdown run to Memphis receiver Calvin Austin III on the final offensive play of the first quarter. Just not good enough. 
Uh, and next up for Navy is a nasty opponent. The Mids are home to number three Cincinnati, Saturday, October 23rd at noon. All right, it is that time. Goldilocks for week seven of the college football season. You have heard, surely, of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. This is Goldilocks, my weekly college football picks against the spreads for Maryland Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. 11-9 and nine is the record on the season. I missed on that Navy loss at Memphis on Thursday night, but did go 3-1 and one in week six. Uh, Goldilocks, all odds are per Caesars Sportsbook as of very early Friday morning. Goldilocks, game number one. Virginia Tech, home to Pitt, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Hokies are plus five. Oh, what could have been for Virginia Tech last Saturday night. Tech fell to three and two with a 32-29 loss to then number 14 Notre Dame at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg. The Hokies blew a 10-0 second quarter lead and a 29-21 fourth quarter lead. Hokies allowed Notre Dame to score 11 points over the final two minutes, 30 seconds. Fighting Irish kicker Jonathan Dorr connected on a 48-yard field goal with 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Tech's defense is very good for three quarters, but uh, wilted in the fourth quarter. Hokies quarterback Braxton Burmeister, another underwhelming game, although he, in the game, returned from injury to offer a big touchdown run. Uh, Burmeister suffered a shoulder injury in the third quarter. Connor Blumrick was in at quarterback for a significant chunk of the fourth quarter, with Tech nursing a 22-21 lead. Burmeister went just 15-30 for just 184 yards. That's 6.13 yards per pass attempt. No touchdowns and an interception was sacked once. He did have 10 carries for 49 yards and a touchdown, which was a huge third and 15, 19-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run with 3.55 left in the fourth quarter off him having returned to the game from the shoulder injury. The ensuing extra point gave the Hokies a 29-21 lead, but alas, the lead would not last. Uh, Tech's running game wasn't very good in this game. Running backs Raheem Blackshear, Keyshawn King, Jalen Holston, and Malachi Thomas combined for 20 carries for just 46 yards and a touchdown, 2.3 yards per carry. Well, the Hokies presumably are going to need their offense to be right on Saturday. Uh, probably going to need the offense to be very right on Saturday. For this game against Pitt, uh, the Panthers starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, has been outstanding so far this season. He threw week six, was number one in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR at 90.2. Yes, number one for all of the quarterbacks in college football who are putting up video game numbers. Ain't nobody putting up numbers quite like Kenny Pickett so far this season. 19 touchdown passes versus one interception. He's averaging 10.3 yards per pass attempt. He's completing 72% of his passes. Now, Pitt is 4-1, and one, hasn't exactly played the toughest schedule, which is why Pitt is in rank, but understand that Pitt is one of the best statistical teams in the country. The Panthers through week six, number eight in the FBS in offensive efficiency for ESPN, and number 11 in the FBS in defensive efficiency for ESPN. This game is a massive test for a Hokies defense that has been all right, but not great. And this game also is a big test for the Hokies offense, which has been up and down this season. The public is heavily on pit. I am too. Uh, give me the Panthers, minus five. Make money, money, make money, money, money. 
Yes, thank you, Snoop. And Goldilocks game number two on this Football Friday installment of the Al Goldie podcast. Virginia, home to Duke. Saturday afternoon at 1230. The Cavaliers are minus 10 and a half. This is the Wahoos homecoming game. So we have the Washington football team's homecoming game Sunday afternoon with that welcoming of the Kansas City Chiefs to FedEx Field. And we have the Virginia homecoming game on Saturday afternoon. Virginia improved a 4-2 and two with a 34-33 win at Louisville last Saturday. What a comeback win for the Cavs. Uh, they overcame a 30-13 fourth quarter deficit, won the fourth quarter 21-3. Louisville kicker James Turner missed a 49-yard field goal attempt as time expired in the fourth quarter. Second consecutive victory for Virginia in which the opposing team misses a field goal attempt as time expires in the fourth quarter. Virginia's 30-28 win at Miami on September 30th included Hurricanes kicker Andres Borregales missing a 33-yard field goal attempt as time expired in the fourth quarter. But the story of this win at Louisville was the Cavs quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, a monster fourth quarter in which he went 14-20 for 183 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, took one sack. He, for the game, went 40 of 60 for 487 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions, took five sacks. Both of the interceptions came in the third quarter, so he bounced back from a rough third quarter with a great fourth quarter. Brennan Armstrong threw week six, number one in the FBS in passing yards at 2,460. Now, UVA won this game despite its porous defense allowing Louisville to generate 503 total net yards of offense on just 62 plays, 8.11 yards per play. UVA did hold Louisville to just 3 of 13 on third downs, but UVA's defense is not good. The Cavs threw week six, 111th in the FBS in defensive efficiency per ESPN. Duke is not good. Uh, Three and three with the three wins over bad teams. The Blue Devils through week six, just 71st in the FBS and offensive efficiency per ESPN, and just 102nd in the FBS and defensive efficiency per ESPN. Give me Wahoo minus 10 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, Snoop, thank you. So, hit minus five, Virginia minus 10 and a half. Those are the rest of your Goldilocks for college football week seven. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 168, will be a Washington football team postgame show off whatever happens in Washington's game against the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field on Sunday. And look, who the heck knows what else happens with the Washington football team over the next few days? I'm almost afraid to go on the internet right now to get the latest news with everything that's transpiring uh, with our team. Uh, On Monday's show, I'll also talk college football, Virginia Tech Pitt and Virginia Duke. And I'll have some thoughts for you on the Capitals game against the two-time reigning, defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. Have a great weekend. Hail to the burgundy and gold, always. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Even though you're not playing how you want to, you don't necessarily see that as a, as a main problem. Well, if, I saw, if I saw that as a problem, then it wouldn't be a problem. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.